Callan FM on 105 FM, uniting our community. Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. This is the show where we try to give you lots of business news, information and updates. And we review various books and events and anything that is going to make your life easier in the world of business. Or even just a little bit more interesting. And uh, we, we've been looking at apps as well. Yeah. In fact, we'll review anything. Yeah, go on. If we think it's set us a challenge. You. Yes, yes. <laughs> set us a challenge indeed. Indeed. The other thing we've been looking at is gurus. I love saying that word. Guru. Guru. Yes. Well, and we, we tend to do the guru at the end of the show. Um, and we are looking, uh, we put a call out in last week's show for um, some suggestions of gurus, particularly some that may be a bit different from the gurus we've looked at so far. I need to stop saying that word. Stop guru. saying guru. I know you like saying it, but but we, yeah, we're going to be talking about an absolute superstar later on in the show. So do stay tuned for that. Okay, we're going to kick off by talking about something topical. And uh, the article that I picked up on was from a, a newsletter from Elwood Insurance Company. Thank you very much. And it's about cybercrime being on the increase. And we've probably all heard of phishing. But Heather, had you heard of whaling before? Not in the context of cybercrime, no. <laughs> what, what, what is it? Okay, well, phishing is, is where you try and get um, confidential information from somebody by masquerading as somebody else, either with a, an email, which is quite mm. common, or a phone call. Um, and spear phishing is another one, uh, sort of a, a variant of that, um, where you, you, it appears you get a genuine email request from a trusted source, and, yeah. and then it leads on to something else. So I've seen this happen uh, to a company in, in the local area quite recently where they had an invoice mm -hmm. seemingly from um, their normal supplier. And all they did was said, oh, please note the change of bank details. OK. And then they had a phone call from presumably that supplier saying, oh, can you let us know when you're going to pay the um, bill? Because um, we've got the new bank and... Could you possibly pay it today, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. And it, it turns out, fortunately, the company that was going to pay the bill had problem with their online banking that day, couldn't make the payment. The next day, they get urgent phone call from their real supplier mm -hmm. saying, um, have you had an email and a strange phone call, apparently, from us? Because it wasn't us. Oh, my goodness. And okay. so somebody had sent out, obviously got a copy of one of their invoices, mocked it up, put their own bank details on. Oh, and interestingly enough, the bank, if you looked at it, it was one based in London, whereas it was actually a, a local firm using a, a local branch. So okay. it was very, very easily done. Clever. And from the point of view of the company that was then going to pay, they got awfully nervous as to, OK, that, now, are you the real person now? Yes. <laughs> oh, confusion. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to whaling then. So okay. this is like fishing. However... The criminals attempt to land a big fish by targeting a CEO or a managing director with their scam. And um, last year, an Austrian aerospace, aerospace parts maker was swindled out of £37 million by hackers using such whaling scam. Um, they tricked them into making large payments for a fake purchase. 
my goodness. So that's okay. fishing and whaling. Essentially, right. somebody pretending to be somebody else and trying to get you to pay or to click on a link or something like that, and they actually look reputable. Then there's the thing called denial of service, DOS, or distributed denial of service, DDOS. And that's an attempt to bring a website down by flooding it with loads of data requests. Okay. So essentially you're holding the company ransom because you're stopping their website being used, which for some companies wouldn't make a great deal of difference. Mm-hmm. But if your business relies on having that website if you're live, an online... Yeah. Yeah. You're really being held Retailer to ransom. Or, yeah. Um, social engineering is another one mentioned. And this is where um, the criminals attempt to trick people into disclosing confidential information using a baiting email linking to free software or a fake phone call. I mean, when I've done um, data protection training in the past, there's a lot of stuff about these phone calls. Yet, apparently, people are still falling for it. A research that I checked out from um, an article in Information Age from the 19th of January says that still around a third of phishing emails are opened regardless of the security precautions that have been put in place. It's because they are so clever at putting a subject field, in the subject field, putting something that seems legitimate. You know, it's what tends to happen now, I've noticed, is that very often the email will be re you know, reference something yeah. as if you have already had dialogue with this email. Yeah, and if you've got a busy inbox, yeah, you, might you just thinking. go, oh, what's that? And you click on it and... And there's all sorts of different ways to make it seem trustworthy, like making the name um, look different, even though mm. the actual email address behind it isn't a friend. Mm. Mm. Somehow mm. they manage to pick up on yes. people who are in your list. Yes. And and also making them look... I mean, gone are the days, I think, largely, where it's quite clear, you know, the English is bad and it's yep. very poorly mocked up email. Some of them now look really, really convincing, mm. don't mm. they? I, I mean, I've had them, I bank with Barclays and I've had emails from Barclays that aren't from Barclays but they genuinely have made me think really yeah you know just for a moment really is that and my default setting is no they'll they'll get in touch with me again if it's important and it'll be by letter or so and the thing I've had to pull my bank up on is them phoning me to get information and one of them was actually when I was subject to cybercrime myself okay so somebody had taken some money from my account it wasn't a great deal of money um but because I checked my bank account every day I clearly knew that I hadn't signed up for um an online dating service in America no okay yeah and I did have to sort of explain that to my husband that really really I didn't yeah I think if it had been in the UK it might have been a bit more dodgy yeah so I went through the whole process and then I I got a call back uh, about it and at that point they started to ask me my security questions I went oh hang on no, I, I need to phone you back, don't I? And not on the number that you give me. Oh, I need to phone you back on the number that is published that I and I've got. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, because you know what? You You're, could be somebody trying mm, to mm, scam me. Mm. And I, I actually had to say, no, I'm not going to tell you. Hang on, I'm, I'll call I'll you back. I'll call you back, yes. Yeah. Um, another couple of phrases that I hadn't heard of before, but um, I, I thought they were quite interesting. A blat hack hacker. That's not easy for a person from Stoke-on-Trent to say. A black hat hacker hacker. is a gun for hire. So you can hire them to hack for you. And a white hat hacker is the opposite. 
so they can alert companies to potential vulnerabilities. So if they're uh, a really good hacker, a company can employ them and ask them to try and hack them and see oh, what their vulnerabilities yes. are. Okay, okay. And this this one was a bit of a kick in the teeth for me because it was like, oh my, really? Apparently, if you thought your data is safe, if you back it up in the cloud, mm-hmm. then you need to think again. When a power grid in Belgium was struck by lightning, data was wiped from a Google computer engine, resulting in customers losing access to their cloud files. And now Google are advising you to back up your backup. Oh, heck. Oh, gosh. Where and does what it are end? you backing it up to? What are you backing <laughs> do, do up you your backup? Do you then put it onto like a hard drive somewhere back in your office? And it's like you used know. to do. Like you used to do, these external drives that you would back up to and then take off site yeah. and make sure that you I mean, backed up. You had three and you do yeah, like Monday, your Wednesday, Friday disaster recovery plan. all of that. Yeah. So now they're saying that cloud thing, it's, is okay. Not, and it's okay, but it's not enough. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and, and reading on from that, as you, as you might know now from um, listening to the show, um, I, I, I then get a little... Um, link on something else so i found another article um, i referenced it earlier informationage.com from the 19th jan is 2018 the year cybercrime becomes mainstream that's the article but i picked up a couple of things in there which i thought were really interesting um not only will it increase in 2018 it's also be- going to become more sophisticated mm-hmm. and crime as a service where cyber criminals rent their tools out to less skilled individuals will help increase the volume of attacks. So you could actually, like you get a plumber, you can get... Let's rent a hacker. (laughs) Wow. Um, And it's widely predicted that the cost of cyber attacks will be in the region of $6 trillion per year by 2021. And by then, cybercrime will be more profitable than the entire global trade in all major illegal drugs combined. Wow. That's eye-watering, isn't it? Wow, that is... It's almost incomprehensible. Yeah, so I I think what that says is that you deserve to give your staff more than a 10-minute online course to deal with cybercrime. I think it's now is a really good time to just take a step back and have a look and see how much of your data is exposed, especially with the the growth of the Internet of Things. I mean, how many people can access their CCTV at work Mm. um, from their phones Mm. or from Mm. home on the Internet? If you can do it, it Mm. can be hacked. Mm. Even switching your kettle on, you you can do that with your phone. If you can do that, somebody Somebody else else can do it as well. Anything at all that you can access through the Internet, then you just have to be really careful. Don't keep the standard password uh, there was a, a TED talk where um, a, a gentleman actually live hacked into a Barbie and uh, hacked into some kettles because the password on the kettles, I remember this, was zero, 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 zero. Right, okay. And he just or did password. That. Yeah. Apparently password is the most commonly used password. <laughs> so with GDPR coming up in May, I think now is a really good time. Businesses are, are really going to have to focus no matter what their size. They've got to look at the realities of cybercrime for them. And it's going to raise loads of questions. I mean, the, how GDPR is, is actually going to um be applied is is a little bit of an unknown yet and i think it's going to have to be tested probably in the courts you don't want to be the company that goes to the courts Mm -hmm. to test that legislation Mm -hmm. i'm pretty certain and also you don't want 
to be the company whose CCTV gets hacked and people find out all your secrets or um, all, all of your kettles in the workplace get switched mm. on at midnight or something. Whatever it is, just spend some time to understand what all the risks are and uh, pay some attention to cybercrime this year. And also, I think just on that, it's understanding what the risks are to your specific business because people might think, well, I don't sell stuff online. What's the problem? But there will be yeah. something of interest to somebody. If you've got a computer that you, you use at work and it's somehow linked to the internet, even if it's for just your emails or for browsing the internet at lunchtime, you're going to have risk. Mm. Indeed. You're listening to the business community on Callan FM. And if you want to hear the show again, it will be available in its full format with all the music and all the talk from tomorrow on the Callan F website on the Listen Again service. Go to callanfm.com. And if you wait for a little while after that, then you'll be able to go to the website, thebusiness.community, and pick up the podcast version of the show with a very short description with some of the links um, to the websites and books, etc., that we're referring to during the show so please do leave us a comment on the page we would really appreciate some interaction from you the business community heather what's going on um in terms of events and news at the moment i've got i've got a few events but one that um that i w want to mention just following on from what we were talking about with cyber cybercrime at uh, west cheshire college uh next week on the 7th of february they're running a free one day um seminar workshop uh, it's running from nine till five looking at cybercrime and what you need to know in terms of your business uh, it it is only um available for people who are smes based in the cheshire and warrington council districts but um if you are it looks like it's going to be a really good event it's organized by go secure uk um and a gentleman called noel hannon uh, is the expert speaker who's um, facilitating that. You can find out more just by Googling West Cheshire College uh, or you can contact 01270 654 654 for more information and to book. Uh, another event that's coming up uh, in on the 8th of February up in, in Mould, I thought this looked uh, really interesting. This is a, um, thinking about health and safety. This is a breakfast and networking event which is taking place at uh, Delin Safety. I don't know if that. I think that's how you would say it. D E L Y N Safety UK. Uh, they are going to be talk, talking about health and safety. What you need to think about uh, from a first aid point of view, fire safety, um, and they're running a Q and A on health and safety issues that you may have. So that's uh, on Bromfield Industrial Estate, Delin Safety, on the eighth of February, running from eight a.m. till ten a.m. And there's bacon rolls and coffee, etc. Uh, and then I wanted to find um, something a little bit further afield. So this is Secrets to Get Unlimited Clients by Networking Online. Uh, because, let's face it, that's where it's at. This is on Friday the 9th of Feb. So again, next week in Manchester. Uh, not in Manchester, sorry. It's it's a Manchester event, but it's an online event. Um, you Learn how to use networking on LinkedIn to get clients. Uh, to find out more, you literally just need to go to um, Eventbrite uh, and you can, uh, if you search secrets to get unlimited clients by networking online, you'll find the link that you can register to access the webinar. 
And uh, I shall go through um, all of those links and find them and put them onto the blog. So that when you go back and listen to the podcast version, or just read the blog, then you can find the links there. Um, I've picked up on a workshop that's been held in Wrexham, hosted by Business Line in Wrexham. And it's on Wednesday, the 7th of February. It's a learning at lunchtime event at Wrexham Library. It's 1 till 2 p.m. And it's for anyone who's thinking of going self-employed but doesn't know where to start. And it's been hosted by Business Line and presented by the ever-knowledgeable Gareth Hatton from Business Line. And he's going to talk about the resources and the information that's available to help you setting up in business. They've got loads of experience, knowledge. They've got stuff at their fingertips that you Mm -hmm. didn't even know Mm -hmm. existed that can help you. So if you um, go there, have a little listen to what Gareth's got to say. Make a connection with Gareth because he is an amazing resource to have. Um, And you can just tell him some of your ideas and he can point you, signpost you Mm -hmm. to things that you didn't know you even needed. So that is Wrexham Library, learning at lunchtime from Wednesday the 7th of February, 1 till 2 p.m. And we'll put a link for that on the website, thebusiness.community. Now, something struck me in in my inbox um, this morning, and uh, the headline was, one in five young people think their lives will amount to nothing, no matter how hard they try. I couldn't resist but open that email. That that was a really serious, hard-hitting headline. And it was an email from the Prince's Trust, who um, I volunteer with on the Enterprise Programme. And they've done some research, and there is something called the Macquarie Youth Index, which was released last week. And it's an index based on a survey of over 2,000 young people aged between 16 to 25. And it's suggesting that the current job market is holding young people back and that they're feeling trapped by their circumstances. Um, And yes, one in five think their lives will amount to nothing. And one of the things that I've been really proud of working with the Prince's Trust is that it's that acceptance that if we're prepared to invest our time and energy in helping this next generation of people, then we will see them developing the skills that they need to thrive in work or education or training. This is why I've been a volunteer for 12 years and they're looking for new volunteers, a different kind of volunteer this time. They're looking for e-mentors on their enterprise program and it's part of their new platform um, Prince's Trust Online and they're offering the enterprise program which they normally deliver face to face Mm -hmm. which they still will do in regions but they're also making it available online and what they're looking for is is some mentors to support the young people as they go through this learning process it's for young people who are unemployed underemployed or unable to access traditional face to face programs Um, the enterprise program is the one that they're looking for at the moment they do have an employability program but they do have sufficient e-mentors for that at the moment um why would you want to become an e-mentor you'll have the opportunity to use your skills and experience to make a real difference and my experience shows me that the prince's trust has got it right they can make a real difference to the lives of young people if you go and have a look at their website you'll see some case studies that will make you cry they're they're really really uh, 
done some really positive work. It gives you a flexible way to support the work that the Princess Trust do based around your own work and your own location. You will be given training and support and um, you will have the chance to develop your own skills through mentoring. And those are the reasons precisely why I volunteered and I have got that back in bucket loads. So if doing online mentoring suits you, then the time commitment is around two hours per week for approximately three months. And the experience, you will be given training and support, but ideally you would have confidence using digital platforms already and confidence facilitating learning and the ability to encourage young people, good interpersonal skills and communication skills and a willingness to take on board the values of the Prince's Trust. Callan FM on 105 FM. This week, we thought we'd have a look and see what was happening in the world of the media. Heather went mm. to the shop. <laughs> I, I, Heather went to the shop and came back with, with a pile pile of newspapers <laughs> and magazines. We thought we'd, we'd try and get all over what's actually happening in the business press at the moment. Um, and no surprises as to a couple of the big stories that we're, we're just going to revisit. These are things that we've mentioned before on the show. Uh, and they their stories are aren't going away so um and and the first one was um the 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 bbc pay scandal wasn't it yeah shall we mention the um the um article was in ft weekend that yes just so you know we recorded this show on the saturday on a saturday just before um the show goes live but um we, we picked up, Heather picked up, sorry, um, the Financial Times at the weekend. Um, so we've got salmon-coloured paper in front of us. Yes. And right on the front were two articles mm, related mm. to what we've already talked about on, on shows over the last few weeks. Mm. So, yeah, gender pay gap. BBC male presenters take a cut to trim the gender pay gap. So if you hadn't already heard this, um, it, it's been news for about a week now. Yes, um, yeah. And the likes of John Humphreys and Jeremy Vine have agreed to take an actual actual cut in their pay in order to narrow the pay gap. So what are your thoughts on that, Heather? I think it's a, it's a really interesting one because it's a right result for the BBC because... Thumbs up it, from the execs yeah, at the BBC. Yes, because yeah. they're going to be paying out less money rather than paying out more money. And my personal feeling is that, uh, I mean, it's great of these, you know, that these guys have, have literally put their money where their mouth is and, and been supportive. But wouldn't it have been better just to pay women the same rate because it's probably not very many women anyway so it, it just would have been in the right in in the um, spirit in the right spirit yes yeah. yes so why did it you know why did it take these people to do something the the no-brainer to me is okay let's just let's just eliminate that gap totally i having a conversation with a few colleagues about this yesterday as well and it, we were trying to understand how these big gaps had, had come about. And, and one of the women had, had said, oh, you know, I, I haven't got an agent. I just took the job and went on the standard pay scale. And and it sparked a question. We don't know the answer to this, but these people who are getting the bigger salaries, maybe they employed an agent. And is that something that more men are likely to do? Is, is, is there a gender difference in the number of people who mm. are prepared to negotiate for salaries? I know I'm, I'm rubbish at that sort of thing. Um, don't want any future employers listening to this, but mm. um, you know, I, I can't barter in a shop. It's, it's not in my nature. If right. I see a price... 
that's sort of the price yes. I expect to pay or, or to receive for something. So maybe there's a gender split with that. I don't know. But yeah, I agree. You know, the BBC's won hands down with this Yeah, one. this is this is a right result. In the FT money section of um, of the of the weekend, there's actually a chart that talks about high earners pay gap and uh, and where it is most whether where the gap is most pronounced in what sectors uh, and i thought that this was really interesting it says latest data published on the government's gender pay gap website shows that financial services companies reported one of the largest differences between the pay of male and female staff a gap of 24% but then the three sectors with the smallest gender pay gap are health and social work organizations and estate agencies and they have 0% average gaps. The so differences. Yeah, then. no, and that's what that's what you would be hoping for. So I just thought that was really interesting that you know it's 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 sector specific, you know, it could be different in different sectors and I just thought that was really interesting. Another thing that caught my eye in the, on the front page of FT Weekend was uh, what we talked about last week was um, Carillion mm. um, running up their debts. The reason they ran up their debts, so we talked about insolvency and, and it being that you've got more debts yep. than you've actually got assets to pay for them. Um, the headline of, of this little article is Carillion ran up debt and sold assets to go on paying out dividends of £376 million. That's why they're insolvent. <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> the big sigh. What what yeah. else can we say well, about yeah, that one, Heather? Just, yeah. I mean I it, it's 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 monopoly money, isn't it? Yeah. And it and it, it demonstrates an arrogance in some ways that, you know, we, yeah, we just keep on doing this and it'll all be all right. Well how wrong can you be? Yeah, I, I do hope that the powers that be um are allowed to investigate. You know, I, I'd like on. to see yes. the, some transparency in this because it, it would appear that something very dodgy does appear yeah. Yeah. to have taken place in, in the corridors of power. And um, it doesn't stay within uh, Carillion because, again, there's an article about investment funds being hit by, you know, when something as big as this happens, it impacts on the markets. And so there's a knock-on effect. It's not contained just within that organization it's it it's far reaching uh so you know how how did that happen how did that happen so if we were going to um recommend a, a weekend reading for business what do you think of ft weekend i think it's very good I, I, it's a long time since i've read the ft um and i resist it because i think that it's a bit highbrow and i'm not going to understand anything but actually it's 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 fairly palatable, um, and I actually like the money section because it it starts to flag up stuff that um, you know small bite sized bits and pieces things that you might then go and read more about. So yeah, I think it's a goodie. Yeah, I, I've I've read the the FT um, largely because it was free in the workplace where I, where mm. I used to be, and um, even midweek I, I used to find that actually the articles were more engaging and more readable than you would expect. Yes. It, it, it carries this air of superiority, but actually the, the journalism is very good in it. And the, the, the very back of the publication, of course, you've got all the markets and all the share prices and everything. And that does just look mind boggling. But you don't have to look at that. You know, just read the words and look <laughs> at the pictures. Oh, if, if you're interested, Heather, I did once run a short course on how to read the FT. Oh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say it. Guru. <laughs> <laughs> it's guru time. It's guru time. And <laughs> Interestingly, this is Heather's choice. So go on, Heather, you lead on with well, the guru. Well, 
the guru this week is a, a gentleman by the name of Ernesto Ciroli uh, from the Ciroli Institute. He is a guy, I've, I've actually met him. Um, She's I, touched him. I, I've shaken his hand. Legitimately, <laughs> yes. yes. He, um, I came across a TED talk that he did, which absolutely blew my mind. And we'll talk a bit more about that in a little while. I know that uh, Tracy loves it as well. And having seen it, I linked with him on LinkedIn um, and I said to him, one day I hope to meet you. Uh, no, but he travels internationally. Anyway, it turned out that he, bizarrely, somebody I know, knew that I loved the bones of him and told me that he was going to be in Newtown. And so I engineered an invitation to the event that he was at and I went and met him. And he was everything that I would have hoped for and more. Uh, he's he's an Italian. He's He's charismatic. He's passionate. He's real, just and not just a little bit sexy, and a little bit sexy. Yes, <laughs> yes. But he's got he's got a sense of humour. But my goodness, you just you just need to see him. You just need to watch his TED talk. You do actually, because if you Google him, there's not a lot no. out there on him. So the other um, gurus that we've talked about on the last um, four shows. You, you Google Tom Peters, Peter Drucker, Charles Handy, Ken Blanchard. There's loads and loads yeah. of information, even their own websites. There's loads yeah. and loads of stuff. And Ernesto Sorolli seems to be, you know, the, the essence of him is in how he talks. He appears not to have an ego. And certainly when I met him, he was very much about who was in the room and, um, and what do I do. And, yeah, it, he was... He made you feel that you were the most interesting person in the room, you know, and that is a great skill. I'm guessing then, if we if we go on to his TED talk, it, um, the one that we're referring to here is a TEDx talk, yes. which is a, a locally hosted talk. And we have TEDx in Hollyhead as well, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about as it comes up in the next mm -hmm. few months. Mm -hmm. This was a TEDx talk in Christchurch, and this may give you an insight as to why... He, he made Heather feel as if she was the only person in the room because his talk was entitled Want to Help Someone Shut Up and Listen. And and that really is a way yeah. to engage yes. people. If you yeah. listen, we talked about it last week, didn't we? Yeah. Is that a whole listening thing? It got nearly, well, it's got nearly three million views. On and, that only, talk. and only one million of those are you and I. <laughs> <laughs> I do hope that um, YouTube can somehow sort out the, the wheat from the chaff and knows when we've watched it multiple yes, times. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that's, that's th three million unique views. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about the, Tell us what you took from the TEDx talk then. Well, he, one of the, I mean, he, he tells a great story. Tell us that story. Tell okay. us the tomato story. Okay. Well, essentially, he's, um, he, he developed something called Enterprise Facilitation, which is a fancy name. But basically, um, he tells this story of work that he'd done in um, Zambezi, wasn't it? Zambia. Zambia, sorry. In, yeah, in Zambia. And he'd gone, he'd gone to a community and he said that, you know, we turned up, uh, we're white, um, West, you know, Westerners. And we turned up and we purported to tell these people that they needed to grow crops and feed themselves. And we taught them how to grow tomatoes. And other Italian crops. And other, yes. yeah, and zucchini and things. Yes. <laughs> and he said, you know, we we just did it to them. And 
these tomatoes grew and they were massive and everything was wonderful. And they kept, we kept saying, you know, this is what you need to be doing. You'll feed yourselves. Everything will be wonderful. And then one day, just before they harvested the tomatoes overnight, uh, the hippos came out of the river and ate everything within sight. <laughs> and the next day they said, why didn't you tell us about the hippos? And, uh, and they, they said, you didn't ask. They and said, this is why we can't have agriculture. This is why we don't have agriculture. And it was that classic, you, you helicopter in, you do something at somebody without listening to why they've not done it in the first place because they probably would have done if it was possible. I love a comment he makes, though, um, is that he was actually proud of that aid, aid project because at least they fed the hippos. Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's just just great and and this whole you know shut up and listen thing is you know people will tell you what they need you just need to listen to what they're saying and then he talks about signposting them to the things that they need to get them to where they want to be you don't have to do it for them you don't have to have any knowledge of the thing they want to do you just need to be able to signpost them to places where they might get the help they need. Yes, it was in this talk that he brought up the, the concept of enterprise facilitation. Yeah. He yeah. talks about um, the, the aid worker or other, or in, indeed, if you're talking about enterprise, even in rural Wales, which yeah. is, is actually a project that has been going on, yeah. um, you become a servant of the local people who have a dream to become a better person and you shut up. Mm. Never arrive in a community with any ideas sit with the people and find out what they want to do mm. and i love the the point he makes is that you can give someone an idea but if they're not interested in it they're not going to do it mm. and the key is what is their passion yeah. and then how can you help them to grow that passion yeah he says don't offer advice offer people with passion the information they need and that, you know that's and I, I like this analogy as well because he, he said that the um, the enterprise facilitator is like the family doctor of business. Yes, because uh, Ernesto Sorolli's father was a, a family doctor, and uh, I think that's where he got the analogy from. But um, it helps you find the resources to transform your passion into a way to make a living. You sit down and you listen, and he's he's really against the idea of um, community meetings. Yeah, oh, he really yeah, working is. Working one-to-one, not in a big meeting. Yeah. He says entrepreneurs don't come to community yeah. meetings. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, so that was the first talk, three million yes. views. Yeah. But then after that, the internet goes a bit quiet on Ernesto. Mm. Mm. Um, and I, I came across another talk um, that he did, and I'm sorry, I don't see where it was, but it was a TEDx talk called Enterprise Facilitation. It's only got 13,000 views. So I, I added a view last night. Um, and he talks, he gives another story. I don't know if you've heard this one, Heather, about um, building a bridge in Guatemala. Okay. And uh, the people there said to, it was the American Peace Corps. So they went to, um, they went to Guatemala, said, we're going to build you a bridge so that you can trade with that side of the river. And the people said, no, you can't build a bridge there. And they said, yes, we can with the American Peace Corps. Look at watches. <laughs> we can do anything. Yeah, so they, they had, because of the the um, the land, the topography of the land, they had to build quite a steep ramp on that side. And they went around to the other side of the jungle, built quite a steep ramp that side. And then the rainy season came and the banks of the river shifted by about a mile. <laughs> 
and they were left with these <laughs> these ramps going up to nowhere. And he says he's convinced that you know in in thousands of years people are going to come and they're going to go. What, what is what this? was this? Why was yeah. this here? Some sort of mythical thing. And he he reckons that Stonehenge is an American Peace Corps project. <laughs> Right. And that's typical of the humour that he uses. One, the one thing that I that I took from Sir Ollie, and he mentions it in in the TEDx talk uh, about the t- the hippos and the tomatoes. He says nobody started a company alone. He mentions that um, he he says that there are three critical jobs within a, an organisation within a company, and the person has not been born who could do all three critical jobs, and they are make it, sell it, look after the money. You may be able to make it and sell it. You may be able to sell it and look after the money, but you will not be. You may be able to make it and look after the money, but you will not be able to do all three. And when I met him, he asked me what I did, and I, I explained, and he said. So I'm a self-employed trainer, and he said, "I hope you've got somebody looking after the money." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, and that he calls that the Trinity of Management, yes, and yes. and there's a whole field of study in that area. But that really links into something that a very wise MD once said to me. He, he said that a really good MD needs to be able to do two of the three of these. Tr- he he didn't refer to the Trinity of Management or Ernesto, mm-hmm. but he said of sales. Mark, uh, sales, production and finance, a good MD needs to be able to do two of those yep. and hire somebody who's really good at the third. Yes. Not necessarily so that he does those, but so that he's got those skills. So it yes. sort of fits in that, you know, the MD can do, can get a good overview. We're running out of time. We're going to have to oh, go. Wow. I knew this would happen with Ernesto. Come up with your quote, the, the quote that you'd like to um, save for um, posterity. The the, if I have to choose one, it's the future of every community lies in capturing the passion, energy and imagination of its own people. And for community, you could read business, you could read school, you can read anything. Uh, yeah, that's that's the one that I take. And uh, it was really difficult. I mean, you, you can't do a Google search and find loads of quotes from Ernesto. No, you've got you to. have to do it by listening to his talks. Yeah. And this is the one that I took from the TEDx talk um, called enterprise facilitation and he's talking about the millennials he says millennials are the new victorians they are going to invent everything we need to move our civilization forward they want to do well but they want to do good and they believe in entrepreneurship genius I wish we could talk a bit longer about him. Uh, maybe we'll come back to him one of these days. But for now, that's the end of the show, Heather. We end will of episode put a link five. to his, his TED Talk on the uh, Yeah, and to his website, the, website. the yeah. Sorolli yeah. Institute. Yeah. So that will be there. Let us know what you think. So please do tune in again next week for the business community on Callan FM.